friends and welcome to the second season of the I Belong Here podcast. I'm so excited to bring this new season to all of you and thank you so much for staying with us during the first one, for all the sharing, retweeting, posting, etc. I'm so excited for you to discover all the new role models that we have interviewed because you are going to listen to lots of stories, lots of backgrounds, lots of cool science and overall lots of women empowerment. So now, sit back, relax, and have fun listening to all the episodes. And she said, don't you change, but I can't help these thoughts up in my brain, yeah. She's breaking me down. Hello, friends. Welcome to a new episode of the I Belong Here podcast. Today, my guest is called Stephanie. Hey, Stephanie. Hello, Noe. I'm so happy to have you here today and so pleased uh, that you are part of this podcast family. So how are you today? How do you feel? I'm good. Uh, I'm doing well. Thank you. That's good. Um, I'm fine. Yes, just uh, having a chilling day because obviously this episode is being recorded on a weekend. So I'm just having a chill Saturday so far, uh, but very excited at the same time for having you today. Uh, so friends, I just want to let you uh, guys know a bit more about Stephanie. So Stephanie is a cancer scientist who studies trace metals like copper in cancer disease. She is a standalone mother of a four-year-old daughter. She lived in Belgium until she finished her PhD, and in 2013, she moved to Sweden for a postdoc position. Then, in October 2020, she moved to Long Island in New York, where she was a postdoc at the Cancer Center of Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory. Currently, Stephanie has moved back to Europe and will soon start a researcher position at the Cancer Center of Gothenburg University with the intention of establishing her own research group. Now, this is a very impressive path to go in science. And I can see that you have been a bit out and about around different places. Uh, but I'm really interesting first to know about your science. So what is what is this thing with uh, copper and, and cancer? What is what is your research about? Yeah, so um, since like six years back, um, I, I got interested in, in copper and cancer. Um, copper um, is mostly is often increased the levels are increased in the human body and in the tumor to one having cancer and um, it seems to have um, like a key role in um, the cancer formation and uh, progression um, so that's what I'm focusing on uh, mm. these last years and yeah it's really interesting from fundamental perspectives up to the clinics it mm-hmm. really covers the whole uh, my research as well starts covering the whole um, yes. So do you think you, <laughs> so do you use copper like as a therapeutic target or you just study like pure biology and pathways perhaps and, and connections with, with the development of the disease? Yes, I'm actually doing both. Mm. So the fundamental part is really important. Still many things need to be um, found. Um, so we know that copper is important in cancer, but yeah, as you know, copper is really, um, like complicated disease Mm -hmm. uh, involving so many different processes and as well, copper, like copper, um, it's, it's an ion, um, which is like mostly like it's almost nothing Mm -hmm. in cells, for example, it's like bound to proteins and um, many different proteins and therefore it's also it's part of many important pathways Um, so yeah fundamental and and like some pathways are already determined like Mm -hmm. um, showing um, how copper is influencing uh, cancer Um, but at the same time still is uh, still there is a lot of unknown so fundamentally i'm uh, efforts are needed, and I'm focusing on that. Um, and then for the 
for, for the translational part or uh, the importance of copper in cancer, like towards um, humans and, and clinics. Um, I'm also putting efforts there. I mean, we need to translate. Sure. What, what, um, how, how does it, what I found now fundamentally, uh, does it also reflect in, in, um, in the human beings and patients? Um, and I'm also using these um, translational models like MICE models. Mm. That's what I will do more and more now uh, in this current position, since I will be in the Institute of Clinical Sciences uh, at the Cancer Center. Mm -hmm. um, well, that's um, that sounds like a really complete uh, research and very, very important, uh, because I'm pretty sure that, uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that copper can be then upregulated in many types of cancers, right? It's not restricted to one type of or tissue, right? Um, it's upregulated in most um, cancer types, mm. um, if not all. Yes. Uh, the question is still like, um, we know it's in the tumor itself, it's uh, upregulated, um, but it's not very much, and, and it's also upregulated in the serum, mm. in the blood. Um, but then little efforts has been done so far on how it's further distributed through the body. Sure. In, in other organs or in, in, yeah, in other mm. organs, in other parts of the body and how this influences. Um, wow. And do you, I know that your research is about this, but do you have like any brief idea of why that might be upregulated? Do you think it's like a defense mechanism in some way of the tumor to not be, you know, um, uh, diminished by the by the by our immune system, or do you think it's some sort of, I don't know, it maybe it gives another configuration to the tumor so it can stay there and keep duplicating? Do you know anything about this or? Um, yeah, we know that um, this elevated copper levels are important for uh, the blood vessel formation. Mm, nice, of okay. Um, of the tumor as well as the proliferation, so the growth of the tumor. So if we uh, deplete, take away uh, the copper from the the body, the, the cancer, uh, then the tumor cells stop growing and you put the, the tumor in state of dormancy. Wow. So it might be related perhaps to metastasis as well, maybe. Yeah. In addition to this, and this is what I've been working on mostly, and that was like the key uh, finding uh, in, yeah, in the time I've been working on copper in cancer, mm -hmm. um, is that um, it is indeed important for migration, the movement mm. of the cancer cells and movement of cancer cells. As mm. we know, it's really crucial in the process of metastasis. It is, yes. But besides that, I believe that this elevated copper plays a role in other aspects of cancer disease too, like immune escape and, and so on. Yes. Well, this sounds amazing. I could be hours uh, asking you questions about the science because it just fascinates me. And it, I think this is another example, right, of a really tiny thing in the body or in the cell, but it does so many things and it translates to so many pathways and um, different roots of cancer in this in this matter that we are speaking to. So it seems like uh, you have a lot of things to research, but also a lot of things that science can benefit from, right? And, and uh, cancer treatment can really benefit from your research. So, um, it's fascinating, and I think uh, I'm going to keep an eye on, on your research uh, from now on because it seems that you have a lot of things to tell us in the upcoming future, so I'm really excited yeah. to see what you discover in your uh, research positions. Yeah, so now this will be more and more the focus of, of my work. Of course, I will keep looking for fundamental aspects of covering cancer, Sure. Um, but the place where I will be now, the lab, so in this um, clinical institute, uh, which make direct connection to uh, the patients. Mm -hmm. um, we will indeed search like where does copper depletion um, or copper inbring mm -hmm. patient because the opposite is also really interesting. Um, then we go very different routes. So I'm I'm stick to copper depletion. Um, 
how that can can benefit patients and how we can integrate um, this um, way of of treating um, with the other treatment methods like radiotherapy and chemotherapy. Mm. So far, it's it's already shown that uh, copper depletion sensitizes um, the cancer cells for chemo. Mm-hmm. But how about radiotherapy? Sure. Yeah. But we don't we don't know. So it's really interesting. Um, I'm also very uh, excited about working on copper and copper depletion um, because this is something we can um, variate or uh, influence mm-hmm. by, by food, for example. Oh, that's interesting. That we eat our, we we get the copper intake through food, mm. um, and there are clinical studies ongoing um, with breast cancer patients where they combine, for example, um, intermittent, like fasting, mm. focused on copper only. But sure, yeah. Fasting and chemotherapy. Wow. And it seems to be uh, promising. But then fasting is like your whole diet. It's sure. It's more interesting to, to replete um, only certain things from the food. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm interested um, more in this depletion because it looks like a more natural way of um, approaching the patient. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it definitely sounds not only fascinating but also really promising. Uh, so I'm really excited to to keep an eye on your research and see what what you will tell us in the upcoming years. Um, so now speaking about, uh, you know, that you were you are going to focus your research uh, in the lab that you are going to start soon and start in your research group. How was this um, science trajectory of yours? Because obviously you did your PhD in Europe, but then you moved with your daughter to New York and now you are back. So I can see that you've been out and about. So how was this uh, trajectory of yours? What led you to do these changes and now move back to Europe and then establish yourself uh, as a group leader. Tell us a bit more um, about this fascinating story of yours. Um, yeah, so we have to go back in quite some time. Uh, <laughs> Not that much, come on. <laughs> it didn't, it didn't uh, happen like so quickly. I mean, of course. Um, so, yeah, I... So indeed, I, I went to New York for uh, like a last post of um, experience, at least with that idea in mind. Um, last like October, one year ago, I left mm-hmm. here in Sweden. Um, but this idea of going to New York and um, pursue my work on, on copper and cancer and uh, getting closer to the uh, clinical aspect of it, the translational aspect of it, um, already began like four years before that. Actually, very um, shortly after I started working on copper and cancer, and we um, found um, this exciting thing that um, a certain copper binding protein, a copper chaperone gate of one, um, is really important for migration of the cancer cells. And there's probably also metastasis. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, before my, so at the time I started work, working on copper and cancer, I actually got pregnant. Mm-hmm. And um, so then I had this very exciting uh, finding of um, ATOX1, this copper binding protein, being important potentially in cancer metastasis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like, you know, before I, I give birth to my daughter, before I potentially stay home for a long time to take care of my daughter, um, her first months, um, as this is very usual in, in school, yeah. to stay home up to one year and a half. So I did not know how, how things would go exactly, but I, t- I told myself, like, it's really important to bring out this message before yes. actually giving birth to my, you know, to have one put in. Um, but I did not know it would um, result into this this further uh, path. Like, <laughs> I just knew I want to get this out. 
Mm-hmm. So then um, paper, I mean, this message got out, a short communication and a low impact factor, but apparently people do read even the slow impact. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was picked up by um, a medical doctor um, from New York mm-hmm. who, um, who who is like director in the, um, in the cancer, in the cancer uh, clinic. And she, she actually... Um, it's like the one who has been driving, implementing uh, clinical trials on copper depletion for mm. breast cancer patients. So when I got to know about this, that a, a New York medical doctor, director of the cancer center, <laughs> was really interested in our work and was really excited about our funding. Mm-hmm. was like, I, at least I need to meet uh, this lady yes uh, i want to connect with this um with with this clinical aspect of the work i want to yeah i want to see how how her work is going and so on so from that like long time ago i really had this this idea of going to new york but yeah i still had to do a lot of fundamental work yeah finding out how this one is um influencing cancer cell migration so that took me a while, um, but meanwhile, um, we worked together with the medical doctor, and uh, we, we worked with her on um, the clinical trial material she mm-hmm. from this um, copper depletion study, and um, and we worked together for all this time uh, on, on this clinical trial material, looking for ATOX1 in her material and seeing if, if it, it relates to um, the outcome for the copper depletion treatment mm-hmm. uh, while I was doing fundamental work. Um, yeah, this desire of, of going to meet her and work with her remained. Sure. And uh, my PI... Um, she, my, my PI mentor, she, uh, she told me and she thought with me, like, this is really a good idea for you to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have such an experience in U.S., coming back, um, you will, your chances um, of going further in academia will, of course. will increase. So, but yeah, the thing, the problem was, um, at first, that the medical doctor was not having her own research lab. Mm. She she was connected to research groups um, in New York as well, um, who worked with her on this clinical trial and upper depletion. Um, so it took a while for me to, to to look with her and see where I eventually could continue my path. Mm-hmm. Then I came. Uh, we came across Hosting um, Horrible Laboratory, and um, the cancer researcher professor. It's quite famous uh, center, no, for for cancer research and other disciplines. Yeah. But it's quite famous. Yes, yes. Must be super yes. impressive. <laughs> yeah, really excited to to go there. Yeah. Mm. So um, yes, they. Um, so this was a lab, Cold uh, Spring Harbor Laboratory, where I eventually then uh, would go to pursue um, uh, copper depletion in, in, in cancer as treatment, um, looking for uh, different potential different uh, copper uh, depleters, mm-hmm. um, because there is still a lot of uh, possibility, like um, one copper chelator or depleter is not the other one so yeah. drugs can always improve you know of course yeah uh, so he would like uh yeah he gave me a chance to to look into other compounds and check them out as novel uh, copper depleter for mm-hmm. cancer um so i also visited um so i i went there like february um is it last year as well yeah yeah. Last year, February. So before actually moving to New York, and it was just before uh, the pandemic. It is was. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I still remember the taxi driver 
on my way um, to the airport to come back to Sweden from New York, uh, who was um, sharing his concern about um, COVID-19. Exactly. When when we thought it was not going to be that big, right? And then everything kind of just exploded. <laughs> what, what is he talking about? Yeah, what is this virus? <laughs> yeah, and the more I had to tra- travel quite a lot um, in that time, the more, the, the further on my journey, mm. so, uh, the less people were on the flight. And I still did not really get it. Like, yeah. okay, people are not traveling. What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> it took me some time to to understand oh yeah anyway, um so yeah i visited the different labs but then the cold spring horrible laboratory lab was really the one i wanted to go to um it's it's really like a research center like mm. it's on long island long island is beautiful mm. uh, nature and then you have this research research center um, along the, the seaside um, on the hill. Nice. Like very isolated, mm-hmm. like giving such a nice feeling. Like it was like, oh, this is just a research village, you know, and <laughs> there is nothing else around it. Like, yeah, this is paradise for, for research. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds amazing, to be honest. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, but it was really a village. They, when I, I, I got there for the interview, uh, they, they explained me like, we have a daycare here. So with your daughter, nice, she can go, she can go there. Um, we also have housing uh, oh. available, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, so yeah, they were very, um, supportive. Yeah. 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 Wow. <laughs> oh my God. Even for, even for a mother. Sure, yeah. I was like, oh, everything is there. I mean, I don't have to worry about anything. I sure. I focus on, on my science and she has a good time at the daycare. And yeah, I will meet other mothers. Mm-hmm. So everything is great. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Then I, I went, I mean, we had the, the COVID mm-hmm. uh, coming unexpectedly. I mean, yeah situation was getting worse and worse after I came back from my uh, trip in yes and yeah I understood like life was changing it was and, yeah and we did not know like what was going to happen no. in the upcoming weeks and months and yeah I had to start looking out for applying for um, system Mm-hmm. Um, which was actually impossible. Mm. Like to, we could not. I mean, I could not apply for a regular visa. Mm. Um, the institute, like Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory, had to um, send in a letter, make up a letter, uh, so I could get like uh, a very a special visa. Wow. Which was only um, assigned to people. Who were really needed for of course to go there yes Yes. um but at the same time i mean it was not just the vision i was yeah i was also very concerned as a as a mom of course (laughs) to leave my safe space um to go across seas i mean it's not the same as going from sweden from belgium to sweden no drive all the way um, also, you're in another continent. Mm. Um, back in Sweden, during the COVID situation, things looked actually pretty normal. Mm. Okay. We were maybe a bit slower, but we were not wearing masks. Okay. Public spaces, public transport were still sure. going. Yeah. So, um, and I understood, like in US, it is different. They had lockdown. Yes. And they were wearing masks. They worked in ships. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, that was really up to me. Like, am I going to do this or not? Of course, yeah. Yeah. So it took uh, quite some time. I had ups and downs. Uh, I can imagine. Making lists of pros. <laughs> Guns. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> many, many people. 
then I realized I should not talk to so many people. Yeah, well. <laughs> Who has to make the decision. Exactly. Um, and then, yeah, I said, I'm going to do this because this is just one chance, you know? Yeah. Uh, one chance, uh, which can change my life. Like yes. In, in, I mean, and what's the worst case scenario? I mean, I will still be in this Spring Harbor Laboratory, which is kind of a safe place. So, exactly. Uh, yeah. So then um, I went over there. Mm. It was like with three months of two or three months of delay. Okay. Um, yeah. But um, it worked out nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we were in the Spring Harbor Laboratory. And um, yeah, you had, you had quarantine first and took some time for me to get going in the, the lab before I was actually allowed to work in the yeah. lab. Yeah. Had some trainings. Um, and then I finally got started in the lab. And I knew I came for this one particular project um, where um, for which they already um, had some preliminary results. Yeah. So, so they wanted you to follow. So, so showing that one one drug was much more potential, the copertulator was mm. much more potential than uh, the other one, and it it has been shown by by different people in the lab. Um, so I was like, okay, uh, that's my starting point. Let's uh, get started. Um, mm-hmm. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a very simple experiment to do. Yeah. And um, yeah, like. Unfortunately, I couldn't. I could not. I did not get the same results. I mean, okay. both, both um, compounds were as aggressive um, in treating the, mm. the cancer cells. So I felt like, okay, maybe I did something wrong. You know, I still had to get going in the lab, so maybe something went wrong with, um, like, making the stock or. Maybe I, I used the wrong buffer for the stock solution or mm-hmm. I mean, all these different kind of things. So I went through all of that and I repeated over uh, the experiment, like uh, with all the knowledge I gathered from from people that produced the results before uh, or reported the result before and uh, other team members, mm-hmm. the PI. And I came again to the same unfortunate uh, result which yeah was, yeah so there i was i mean <laughs> i kept on repeating it talking to people um i mean i even thought at a certain point that the mycoplasma contamination was mm. was the reason um for for the unfortunate results but mm-hmm. i mean this did not work yeah um or at least could not produce it and neither did i Neither did the PI know uh, why. Why? Hmm. So there I was stuck. And of course, then what would be my next next task to do? Because I was really set on this project. I mean, yeah. that, that's what I, I came for as a copper expert. Of course. There was no copper expert in the lab. Mm. Um, so they really needed me. And they thought I was the best candidate for moving this project forward. Mm. Um. So you you couldn't uh, you couldn't basically figure it out the or your PI right you couldn't figure out why this was not working and you were not feeling you know like well basically you were not feeling good about it. No, yeah. So yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Um, mm. I really, I mean, I really came for this project. Of course. So- the more I was focusing on, like, I need to reproduce this result, the the worse I started to feel, like, this this empty feeling, like, this worthless feeling, like, uh, you start questioning yourself, you know. For sure. Uh, at the same time, I was like, I'm, I'm not doing anything wrong. Mm. I'm, I'm the copper expert. Mm. I know I know what I'm doing. I've been checking everything out. I mean, I'm not doing anything wrong. Yeah. Talking to my PI, he said, like, oh, from my side, also, nothing is wrong. So, 
what is happening i think to, to towards i mean i could feel the shift in energy like at, that he he started like doubting me or like mm. at me and then yeah i really had to um think what to do of course like, what what are my options here yeah um at the same time i got um got the knowledge that um, my sister was about to get married oh yeah so um and i also got to know that my mother uh was sick oh okay sorry about that yeah um, she's good now but still ah. i was like yeah I, i felt like yeah my research is not going the way it's expecting <laughs> to go and it's like my family would be good to be with my family now sure So um, I made up my mind and um, I came with so, uh, a solution like, uh, let's take a break, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so I just wanted to go to New York for two years. I came with this idea. I'm going to focus on this project two years. Then then I go back to Europe. Mm -hmm. I, I get into 10-year track or at least get a stable researcher position in a cancer lab. Um, So, um, having that in mind, it's two years, and then the, the, this project's already half a year further. Yeah. So we're at zero or even minus 10. Yeah. Say, the plan is not going to work out. No. And it's really that I need to work on. Uh, there is no space for something else. Exactly. Um, yeah, let's take a break. Um, go back to Belgium, to family, celebrate the marriage, uh, spend time uh, with my mother. Um, yeah, just uh, ground for a while, you know, mm -hmm. get away from this um, spiral of, of <laughs> destructive thoughts. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, let's take some distance and like refocus. Yeah. Okay. Um, being back home, um, go, if I go back to uh, Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory, what is it I'm going to achieve there? What is it I can learn uh, within these two years? Uh, so I had this plan um, and different um, mentors. My mentor yeah. was like, yeah, this is totally acceptable. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I went with this plan to my PI there, the group leader. And he said, like, if you need to quarantine for two weeks, I mean, you can't go. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, then the... <laughs> sure. <laughs> only had one option right oh uh, uh, yeah I, mean, i need to go i i wanted to go and come back uh, to work on this but yeah you put me in this situation i, I just need to go now I mean, yes i don't want to lose my myself no i don't want i don't want to waste my my time on, on this. sure um, they're more important things for me uh, reading mm -hmm. um so then i so that was like middle of May, I think, yes, middle of May. And I still, yeah, he told me at the same time, like, yeah, um, the, your last day is 1st of June. Mm. Said, okay. I, and then I still had the idea of, of finishing up some experiments that could maybe explain why the compound was not working as it Sure. Was. So I was still thinking of, like, okay, I need to leave, but out of respect for my PI. I'm gonna do this. Yeah. I still then maybe he has an explanation for of course. Because for him it's nothing worse than leaving him with a negative result, right? From an mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So but then he said, Yeah no, I think you better stop everything now. We don't waste more time. We don't waste more money. Mm, all right. Uh, that's it. Okay. okay. That was uh yeah, okay, quite honest. <laughs> so, yeah. I had not I had no, no other choice than just um, trash everything. Okay. Which was even more like uh, this, this unique, how do you say that? Taking away respect. Yes, I, I and yeah, even more daunting for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then, oh, yeah, it was done. Yeah. So now you are back in, uh, you were, you were back in Europe after that. Right. Uh, no, then, then I still, so then I decided to take the vaccination, mm -hmm. the vaccination, 
before returning to Europe because it wasn't even sure like how, how fast I would get my, my vaccine back in Europe. Sure, okay. Better, and I did not know who, how many people, how many places I was. Of course. Places. Yeah. So that, it, yeah, with the vaccine, it's two shots and it's, you need one month mm-hmm. to be vaccinated. Um, so I was uh, in, on Long Island for one more month and just in time for the wedding. Mm, nice. <laughs> Back in yeah, like two days before or something. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> missed, missed the wedding. Oh lord. <laughs> oh my. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, you know, I really had this deep feeling like I'm much. I'm. I'm not worth to just stop everything here. I mean, this yeah. is not the end of my career. No. This is just. A very crucial uh, decision I'm making. And, yeah, and it's for me, it's the best uh, decision um, taken. And afterwards, it was it has been confirmed by by different things. That yeah, the right thing. Um, so, but I took action, and um, that was really it's really important uh, when being at this level is to have this network and to talk mm-hmm. to people. So. I did not stay silent. People could be ashamed, or I could have been ashamed and not have told anyone, like, I'm quitting here. I could have done it in silence. No one would have known. Uh, but instead, uh, I did the opposite. Exactly. <laughs> uh, just I take did, action, right? Yeah. I just told it to my professional network. Yeah. And that's how I um, got to know about... Um, my position i'm gonna start now yes yeah so um and that was within one week wow i I got this question yes really fast yeah 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 like um yeah kind of luck i don't know for like you also need to take action exactly but uh, i got reconnected to my network with a professor who i met like three years a little bit more than two years ago, um, at Kansas Conference here at Gothenburg University. So, professor, I shortly chatted with, so he actually recon- like uh, recognized me, my professor, mm-hmm. when he, my connection person, my direct connection, um, with, uh, talked to me uh, yeah. about me to him. Um, yeah, so it was like kind of meant to be, maybe. Yeah, because before going for New York, when joining this uh, cancer conference, um, actually I was longing for, um, or I thought this is the place. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, I just I could be like days asking you questions and discussing all the things that you said in your story because. I think you have pointed out so many lessons for science and for us as humans and as scientists. So I'm trying to, I'm going to try to go one by one <laughs> because it's really impressive everything that you just explained. So for starters, I want to say, and I hope you know this, I want to say that you are really brave, uh, not only from moving, you know, across the world to to go to a new institution with your daughter. Um, so, because sometimes we tend to think about, sometimes, you know, when I look back, I moved to the UK uh, six years ago. It's going to be seven in January 2022. Seven years that I'm in the UK. It seems crazy to think about that. And when I moved there from Spain, I moved by myself. And now that I look back, I was like, well, that was a risky decision because I barely had money nor English knowledge. So for me, it was a, I think so far it has been the biggest step that I've done for my career so far. And sometimes I think that about that about myself, like, wow, I was brave to do that. But in your case, you also had a daughter. So I completely understand the concerns that you were explaining about, well, I have someone that is coming with me. Am I doing this right? Am I 
Is my scientific career important enough to carry my daughter across the world to do this? And also, oh my God, in the middle of the COVID pandemic, I mean, to make things even harder, right? <laughs> it was when things were not really clear and we were starting to think about, okay, what is this virus that is coming here? Like what is happening, you know? Um, so you are super brave to do that. Uh, you are super brave to then keep being in that lab uh, you know, facing these negative results and this spiral of judgment. Um, and then you are super brave for taking the action and coming back to Europe to pursue what it was good for you as a human being. So I think this is the first lesson that you just explain really clear. You are extremely brave. And I mean, I've only met you today, but I'm super proud of everything that you just explain and everything that you have fighted for yourself. Um, So I think you also, so that's the first lesson. <laughs> the second lesson that I would like to take out from your story is that I think science uh, has a lot of negativity sometimes when negative results are happening. And I think you said something really important, which is that you were doubting yourself, which to be honest, I will have done that as well. And uh, my imposter syndrome will basically kick out, you know, like, oh, it's you, you are the reason why science is not working, you are doing, but science sometimes is about the protocol, right? And about the actual step-by-step -step that you are following. And if all of that is right, and you are not the reason why that protocol is not working, it might be something else that is out of your control. But I think, unfortunately, it's common that then the people around you might be doubting you as well. You know, like, oh, she came here to this place as a copper expert, and now this is not working. Therefore, what is happening? It's not us. It cannot be us. It cannot be the science. It must be her. And that's so bad for your self-esteem, right, as a scientist. This is super important for the podcast as well, because I want to show also not only the next generation of scientists, but also uh, the current generation, that it, it is normal to face This, this negative result sometimes. And it's so important to, to trust our guts, you know, and continue with what we want to follow. And in your case, you were not feeling well and you knew that that situation was not okay for you. And I think it's so brave that you trusted yourself as the truly copper experts that you are. And you were like, you know what? This is not good for me. I have a daughter, but I'm also me. Stephanie. Yeah, what, whatever the 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 story behind. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, there are many versions depending on exactly to look at or listen to. Exactly, you know. In that situation where you cannot move on with your project. Yeah, and also you were in this, you were in this so famous, well-respected environment and center. I have a couple of friends that they have worked there uh, for so many years in the Cold Spring Harbor. Now they are back in Europe as well. But, you know, you, you have this one of the best uh, centers for research in the world, you know, so famous, so many people, so many famous scientists work there. And you were like, you know what? It's, it's just not good for me. It's just, it does, it's not giving me any positive input. I mean, you had positive inputs, of course, but, you know, I mean, for me, the best lesson to say is that you were not good and you trusted your instincts that I want to go back home. I'm going to be back with my family, start a new avenue in my career, and then, you know, um, offer this safer place for my daughter as well. Yeah. So, not, yeah, indeed, I did not um, uh, let my decision depend on the PI I was working for no. or the institute I was working in. Exactly. Many people, they limit their decision um, by this. So yeah. Oh my God, there's something wrong with me. Um, I'm here in the best institute of the world. And mm -hmm. I mean, they have produced these results. So they, they must be really true. Mm -hmm. Science remains science. Yeah. It's not depending on whether it's in Harvard or in... No. In, in Ghent University or what? Yeah. <laughs> it's, science, it's science, right? Exactly. The, the pressure that may, um, may vary. Exactly. Imago, the exactly. So that's, 
that's that would be the second lesson that I extracted from your story, you know, like trusting your gut. And I think some sometimes we put, and I've learned this only with years, okay? It doesn't come out that naturally to me, but sometimes we put so much unnecessary pressure on ourselves as a scientist and, and as almost as a machine, you know, to, to perform and to deliver and to demonstrate to people that sometimes we forget about ourselves, you know, and I love my job. I love science and I'm so happy that I can dedicate my life to sub to a job that I love. But sometimes it's like, Hey, I'm also Noelia, you know, what is this place or project bringing me? What is it that I want to do with my time and my life and my career? So amazing. The lesson, the second lesson that you show, uh, And I think the third lesson that I would like to extract from your journey, which is a really important core value from this podcast, is that science is not a straight path. And it can look, you can look at science from so many different perspectives and you can do so many things with science that I think that's one of the most beautiful things about our job. You know, you, you were in, you know, you were in academia, obviously doing your PhD, et cetera, et cetera. Then you move to an institute and now you are about to start your, um, your group leader position. So back to academia. And you have done so many good things for science and in your field that and you have not been following just the most traditional scientific path that one might think. And that's something that I is a core value of my podcast and something that I also teach to my students. You there's not a right or wrong path in science. So it's so important what you show today as well for us, uh, to us today. Um, that is just, you know, your path was that one and you took the yeah. maximum out of it. Yeah, I think that's a core value of academia or science, mm-hmm. at least from my side, to like um, our strength or core value should be like bringing diversity mm-hmm. um, and and follow your your path. Mm-hmm. You know? um, and my daughter, um, I mean, she helps me mm. in, in, in getting there. I mean, no. At, anyways, I need to take her into consideration. There is not, of course, <laughs> of course. But um, like having her really uh, grounds me uh, more and brings things into a more healthy perspective. Sure. For me. Mm-hmm. So if if she was would not have been there with me in New York, I may have made other decision i mean I yeah. a position for i had a contract for five years mm-hmm. i could easily have stayed there and get yeah. on something else or kept on this project um but no uh, i decided to to come back to mm-hmm. also for me i mean of course first the idea my daughter should go to i want her to go to school in, in europe i don't want her to enter the american mm-hmm. system um that's i mean was like the big motivator but also for me i realized more and more like sweden is a place that resonates with with me it's not it's not us i think mm-hmm. it's not at all no <laughs> like in accordance with my uh values yeah personally uh, so yeah, yeah my, my daughter really for me she she helps me in uh, doing my path. yeah well, it's it's just so cute uh, to to listen to that. I'm pretty sure that even sometimes without knowing, right? You you both help each other, right? In in so many ways from the day to day life that sometimes you might not even realize, but this just comes natural, right? Is the bond that you have with her and she has with you, and I think it's just adorable, and I, I just love that. It's just so cool. Um, so. This is this third lesson that I extracted from your story. You know, science is not a straight path. I would also like to link that lesson to the role that women have in STEM, right? Because I think you also, 
set up, even if you were not aware at the moment, I think you also set up an amazing example for women in STEM, not only for the next generation of scientists that are thinking about starting a career in science, but perhaps also for women that either are already a mom or they want to be. You know, you did all of this by yourself, uh, being a single mom, and you you carry this with with pride as well, you know, in your career and, and you follow your gut and all the things that we have been discussing today. So you are setting up an amazing example for women in science, for many different women in many different situations. Um, I want to be a mom in the future and you are setting out an example for me as well. Uh, if I ever become a mom, either single or with a partner, you know, it's, it's just such and you are a true role model for all of these aspects. Um, so I wanted to navigate a bit with you around this topic because um, what, like, how did you felt, you know, about, you know, being a single mom, woman in STEM, and how do you feel we can connect and resonate more with, with the female in STEM out there? Um, how do you feel you can apply your own lessons uh, for this topic? So I think um, as a mom, uh, in science or I think overall in, in life and when willing to do something, I mean, um, it makes you focus more. Mm -hmm. It makes you um, go through your options um, in a different way. Um, like it makes you filter out what is really uh, important. Sure. And um, ultimately will... I think so, I believe so, um, bring you closer on your path. Mm. Or, yeah. Um, so I think being a mom in science or having um, such an important <laughs> thing going on sure. in your life, which is demanding like um, energy and mm -hmm. time. And I mean, it's a whole thing. Um, it is for for the better. Mm -hmm. I mean, as as you as a scientist as well. Sure. Um, I honestly I don't remember how I was thinking about my science before having my daughter. <laughs> that's that's interesting. I remember. I remember. I was very much into my science. I'm still very much into my science. Sure. And and when I mean I felt this desire of of having a child like i felt like i was thinking like this is my way of moving on in life i mean mm. for me it's really it's i need yes <laughs> i need a child to yeah get further i mean mm -hmm. uh, i was also thinking like having a child will make me ground again connect more to to real to life Mm -hmm. like to to social life as well and to mm -hmm. to myself to my own um soul or yeah. my own path. Mm -hmm. um and actually i was not wrong mm. i don't say it went the way i i was thinking it yeah too. i mean it brought many challenges um from day one <laughs> yes <laughs> i mean it's yeah it, you, you you don't know when when becoming a mom you have no idea of how it's going to be and no one can tell you how it's going to yeah be. for sure it will change your life if, yeah definitely it changed all aspects of your life at least in my life because i'm talking about my experience of course <laughs> for other people for me mm -hmm. it changed a lot i had i mean at first when um, my daughter was born i was very much still thinking like okay i have a child but uh, i mean she's sleeping most of the time and yeah i can still i can still work yeah <laughs> i was I, I was still working i just kind of kept going while having a, a child on on the side um but then more and more i realized that okay, I, I have just one amount of energy, you know. Mm -hmm. I have one day I have one, one load of energy mm. and I will have to learn to balance mm. um, this. 
bringing the best aspects of motherhood and, and also me as a scientist, as a, as a person. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's um, so beautiful, right? Uh, to, to merge all those aspects of, of you as a Stephanie, you know, which is not only one facet. It has many different aspects, right, of, of being you. Um, so also I wanted to ask you because, uh, I'm conscious, uh, and I'm, I'm, it's really disappointing to be honest, but it's a reality, you know, when you are in the middle of your scientific career and you decide to become a mom, I think there is this common misconception that your life as a scientist is over because, At the beginning, you are pregnant, right? But then you have the child, you go for maternity leave and you are out of science. You are out of practical lab work for some time. And I know that uh, not everyone, obviously I'm not uh, including everyone in the same bag, but I know that sometimes people react to that as, oh, your publishing record is going to be stopped. Um, Your uh, trajectory in science is going to be stopped. And I know this is common in some countries to think about that. And I know that it is sometimes common to see women perhaps dropping out of science after the first child or second child because they cannot cope with the pressure of keep being a scientist. And uh, especially sometimes there is more pressure in academic environments, perhaps than in industry. So I wanted to ask you your opinion about this. You know, you are a mom, you follow your career. Do you think um, how we can solve this issue or, or work for this misconception? Because you clearly are doing amazing, so. <laughs> um, well, going into maternity leave and having my child, I mean, it maybe physically took me away from, from the lab. Sure. But even I was home, I was still a scientist. So yeah. it's not like I stopped thinking about my science. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, there are different aspects of being a scientist. You have the time of writing down your results, writing down your ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are all things you potentially, if you, what I believe, if you're really um, scientists from like motivated and you have the possibilities, um, you will, um, continue mm-hmm. working on these, th- these aspects of being yeah. a scientist. But I also wanted to, um, note or to make the comments that it's really important to have, um, support like professionally yeah. at home, um, to keep going. Um, so I was, I had the great luck of having a, another role model. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who is a great oh. oh, nice. Uh, so, yeah, it's, I had this luck. Um, and I think that's, for me, it was really important mm-hmm. um, to have her under, on, on, on my side and she understanding my situation, uh, not in having to take, uh, care of my child, but also um, understanding that I want to keep going. I mean, it's not because I'm home that sure. I'm, I'm just going to cut my, my career. No. It's time to transform my career. Exactly. Better. Mm-hmm. And uh, now as well, more and more, I realized um, this is like grounding. You know, mm-hmm. You take away all the decoration and you put your fundaments yeah down more and more that's mm-hmm. what i've been doing i think during my further science careers from the time my daughter was born i think so and, yeah <laughs> um, yeah so yeah it's good <laughs> well i think it's um I think you said something really important which is that it is time to transform my career Right. And I think this is something that we need to fight. And uh, thank you so much for for saying your testimony today, because with testimonies like yours and other guests from my podcast and, you know, community efforts, I think we can be one step closer of demystifying these things as well about just because you become a mom. It doesn't mean that you change as a scientist. It's just a new aspect of your life that you incorporate to you and you just go for it, right? And it's just, 
it's funny because it becomes so natural to you, you know, like this extension of yourself, you know, your daughter, you incorporate it in everything and you haven't stopped caring about your experiments or you will produce less or help less to the scientific community. It's just a new part of you, right? Yeah, it's giving space to other uh, aspects. Exactly. The aspect you were already giving space to, like your experimental work, or for me it was like like the experiment I was doing in the lab. Now I care much more about mm -hmm. what I'm doing. I'm much more like focused and critical mm. about what I'm actually doing in the lab. It really needs to be meaningful. And that's why in Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory, because it was not meaningful that I like cracked. Yeah. I was like okay, no, this, it may have been good for someone else, but I'm at the stage of my career at this exactly. stage of my life where it's not me anymore. No. It's important what I do in the lab. It, it needs to be. It needs to be. To me, to me. Yes. And, uh, yes. Well, it's, it's just, that's another lesson, right? Just to... Um, we we are important in in our own life even if that seems like a given but sometimes it's it, it's not you know and we carry on in positions or in institutions that we really don't like but you, we just you know we carry on and you just forget about what's the real meaning of what you are doing you know for your science and, and for your own life um so I've learned so much from you today and I think you have such an amazing story that it is, I think it is okay that it didn't turn out as expected because I think you made a massive decision for yourself and for your daughter and you set out this amazing example for everyone. Um, so I learned so much from you. It's it's unbelievable. I'm just, my eyes are so open about all this knowledge that I have acquired from you today. Um, Thanks for giving me the chance to like share my story in this way, which will reach a community which I haven't seen of met before. Exactly. In my daily life, I'm, I'm a very open person. <laughs> I'm telling my story to everyone because mm. I think, I feel that's what I I can do. I mean, the research did not move in the, in the direction I wanted to, but I have this story, which I hope is valuable for uh, colleagues, people in the same uh, situation. And well, it is... To add, like, mm -hmm. challenges. Yeah. I mean, challenges are actually like a gift. Exactly. The growth, like... Mm. And also, I want to accentuate, I mean, I'm going to start my new position now very soon. I'm already working for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Officially, like, yes, will come very soon. Mm -hmm. um, it's not like ch life is challenging me. Less yeah. or my career is challenging. Mm -hmm. Actually, it's getting more challenging. Mm. Actually. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking a lot about that. <laughs> um, but I think challenge is, is a good thing. Mm -hmm. So, when you get a challenge, say hooray. Yeah. <laughs> you reach the point where you you have to make a new decision mm. um, and look back towards like yourself and see what is the decision which resonates uh, most with you. So it's, Exactly. Uh, yeah. It's like a gift to move forward. Yes. Forward yes. It's very natural uh, that along your life, like further you go, the bigger the challenges because mm -hmm. when the decision you're going to make will have a much bigger impact, I think. Yes. Or, yeah. So not to be taking as a negative thing, right? It's just a new opportunity to change or transform your career or whatever the challenge comes with. Um, so you have actually said a couple of really um, nice lessons uh, for us uh, in your recent, uh, in the last couple of minutes. Um, but I want to grab everything that we've been talking about today and ask you one last question for this interview, which is about the next generation of, sci of female scientists. I really want to encourage and share these, these values that all my guests uh, gift with, give to us in all their episodes. And if you had the next generation of female scientists in front of you, what would you tell them to encourage them to follow their scientific career, however that will look like? You can say more than one thing. Eh? 
Yeah, I know. I've <laughs> many years before. Um, what I wanted to say, like, and another important message I wanted mm-hmm. to get a chance to, to, to bring out, like, yeah. um, is that, I mean, don't put your life on hold um, for science. Mm-hmm. I mean, being a scientist, like a true scientist, um, use your your life like your life force mm-hmm. which includes as well being a mother i mean being a mother is a gift it brings so much energy mm-hmm. um, just live your life um, and science will follow mm-hmm. and the other way around too mm-hmm. so please <laughs> <laughs> don't put your because i see many people doing that mm-hmm. uh, not getting children, not getting married, not settling down, buying a house, mm-hmm. um, not making any of these life decisions. Uh, decisions, yeah. Um, so there to to um, make your life exactly. Yeah. Well, that's um, okay. Um, Next one. <laughs> You already said a lot during the interview, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I think the challenges. Yeah. Like, don't, be a, don't hold back because you see a challenge. Mm-hmm. Just grow from them, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a very natural thing we do, I think, as human beings. Like, mm-hmm. We see a challenge, we connect it to danger, and we just close the door. Yeah. Uh, but instead, dare to, like, go into this challenge and... Um, relax and yeah you need to relax and go <laughs> into, your, into your own like reflect on on the challenge and make yeah. a decision and take the take the chance to make yes exactly a decision which brings you closer on your path yes well stephanie my mind is just um exploding out of knowledge just by listening to you it's just uh, so good it's just so good i'm so happy to have you as part of this small podcast uh, family um i'm so thankful uh to have you here and i'm just so thankful for hearing you and, and your story and everything that you need to offer um to the scientific community and to all of us so thank you so much from the bottom of my heart uh for for this lessons today thank you for having me i really hope that uh, my story may help other scientists Um, it is definitely going to help (laughs) definitely and i'm pretty sure everyone is going to enjoy uh the episode so 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 much as much as me or even or even more uh so yes thank you one more time stephanie for being here today Thank you very much, Noe.